Hi, this is Tony Silva, and we don't have Charles with with us today. Uh, But this is, nevertheless, uh, episode 130. Uh, The topic is learning styles. And uh, helping us out today is uh, Professor Allison Kitzman of Kindai University. And uh, I guess we'll just jump right into it. And uh, first, she'll give us a little... um, capsule uh, view of um, what we mean when we talk about learning style, which is always really important because it, what's one of those terms that can mean anything to anybody unless uh, we have some kind of agreement on, on that, on definition. So um, Allison, please um, going right into it. Um, what is it? Where does it come from? Etc. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for allowing me this opportunity, and we'll miss Charles this week, but we'll hear him next month. All righty. Just a little bit of information. What is learning styles in the sense of what Tony and I will talk about it today? Uh, Basically, I think we've all kind of grown up with the concept of learning styles, especially if we're teacher educators. But even if we're just students, we've often come across the concepts of You can learn by seeing or through listening or by doing things. And think of your own language learning or language teaching and how many of you are visual learners. You need to learn the language through reading. Uh, How many of you are audio learners? So you learn it from listening. And how many of you are kinesthetic or tactile learners? And uh, that's learning by moving around and doing the things, uh, role play, etc. So those are kind of the concepts uh, that we have grown up with <laughs> over the years. And it sort of started, at least the, the first major proponent of this was a gentleman named Neil Fleming. He was a New Zealander in 1987. He himself is a teacher, and he was interested in creating a targeted kind of interest inventory of learning, you know, kind of like Myers-Briggs or one of those. Uh, And his concept was creating a rubric, I'm not sure if I'm using that word correctly, uh, that represents the parts of communication. And for him, those parts were visual, so reading, right? Oral, listening, reading and writing, that's one set, and then doing. So he created basically four parts. He then created a, an inventory, a questionnaire of 16 questions. And he's now on version 8.01, <laughs> that's in 2020. And you can find that on the VARK, V A R K hyphen learning.com. So mostly VARC is for younger people, but he also has, sorry, not mostly. He has the regular VARC of 16 questions, but he also has VARC for younger people separately, for athletes, for trainers. Anyway, the the concept is <clears throat> that we all learn differently and that we have a preferred learning style. Uh, most people, however, are multimodal 
they often have a combination of styles. Often one is more dominant. Um, So research shows that no matter what your learning style, the more senses you use in your learning, the more you'll learn. So if you only listen, or if you only get a lecture, (laughs) various research shows 5 to 20% of the content will be learned. Um, If you see, hear, talk, and demonstrate how to do it, you can retain about 90%. And there's quite a wide variety of research that supports that. Now, of course, there's not just one (laughs) way of thinking about learning styles. Uh, A lot of research out there that's trying desperately to suss this out <laughs> and well whether- yeah and that was that was one of that's one of, I think one of the things that I think we want to kind of look at is because mm. um yes this um this research um <laughs> of, of which you speak <laughs> uh generally uh for the last uh, 10 years I guess I and mean, the stuff that I've been looking at it's it's mm, pretty recent um seems to uh be pretty much debunking this whole notion of learning styles Mm. that um, it um, there might be, for example, and then this is an interesting aspect of it. There might be a preferred way to learn, Mm. uh, Mm. but that doesn't necessarily, well, not, not, not necessarily. It does not, they say uh, result in (laughs) better or more learning. And um, these, um, Different um, modes, visual, oral, reading, writing, kinesthetic, um, have uh, more to do with the specific task rather than the learner. And you know, you know for you know, common sense examples. For example, if you're you know the, the French accent, there's no way to learn the French accent visually. <laughs> that's an that's an oral thing. Um, Actually, okay. there is visual because it yeah. is designated in their alphabet. The Accent grave and the accent aigu. Well, I guess that's um, but the visual part is when you point to your nose. <laughs> well, that would be Italian. <laughs> I'm so stereotypical. Anyway, <laughs> but um, but the the thing you know that um, that I guess that uh, spawned this 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 topic. Mm. Um, what is it? I mean, okay, so the research says this doesn't exist. Well, actually, why it, but but why why do we hang? On, why don't we let go of this bone? We hmm. we it's you know it's it, yeah you know research based <laughs> teaching is really where we should be headed. But I I don't accept this, and I know that a lot of other teachers don't accept this. And why is there this? disparity what, what what's good, happening here good 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 question because i'm not sure i accept it myself and yet i do so even fleming this first guy that we most know mostly of him first of all even he doesn't say that his system of vark visual oral reading and kinesthetic even he says it's not a learning style he doesn't call it that himself. He just used it as a target to mm, consider one aspect of learning, specifically communication, and mostly with language learners. So that's one thing. But he's not the only one. We all have our own concepts of what language learning is. There's also, you know, again, 
his system, but there's also what about those people who learn better by themselves or yeah, and yeah, and that's that's kind of more to the point. So mm-hmm. whenever you've got like somebody um, putting forth their theory or their new method or you know whatever it might be, you know the subject of their PhD thesis that they've got, they've got to go way out on that limb for um, the definitions and the the restrictions are are, are going to get way too tight for any usually for any kind of practical well, use. Well, so and that was I my think, second point, sorry, mm. <laughs> that I think that's part of it. There are just too many possibilities, too many potential modals that have also sprung up in all of this to be researched. And this is all soft science. This, How do you research what physical is? What, what does physical, you mentioned before, the definition so I think that's another problem is even if it does exist, it's not a hard science. Nobody can agree on all the points. And we probably don't have the research methods to properly research, or we haven't come up with them yet. Well, that was one of um, my um, ideas that I thought we, we would get to is that, yeah, is it a problem with the, with the research? Because... Um, yes, yeah, so we, we would talk about what Fleming's four um, modes, I guess we can call them. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, in, in in my reading for for this podcast, is they they're just someone had a number as high as seventy one. Oh. Um, but um, I think, <laughs> yeah, and at that point, you know, it, it, whether you're talking about trying to to fit everything into the four. Or whether you've got like a choice of seventy-one choices um, to, to to pick and choose from as a how what kind of learner are you? Um, we, it really gets it, 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 you know we're just losing any kind of utility. Yeah, it's it. unwieldy. Yeah, and um, I think any any teacher, if you ask him or her uh, about their idea of learning styles, I mean, it's something like you know where we were talking about we're basically talking about English uh, education in Japan. And with any kind of, with an oral class, any class, even if it's as small as 10, 15 people, the teacher is going to notice that some students blossom in groups, others shrivel up and die. <laughs> uh, and that same, that same wilted flower, if, Given a chance with you know, individual interaction with the teacher one on one, is suddenly transformed into a completely different student. I mean, I'm, obviously, it's not everybody, but there's obviously there's some some students some that, that just of that. work sure. really well in groups, and some yep. work really small. Some people work alone, and this is something that any teacher sees in this first his or her first week of teaching. Oh, but it's <laughs> um, even before that. It's when yeah, we are but, learners but ourselves. We, I mean, why doesn't the research fit? See this. I, well, again, I think the research hasn't given this enough. Um, uh, there, there hasn't been enough research about it. Again, how do you define each of these? Uh, breaking it down into four or 71. That's just crazy. And another thing, often this is confused with this new fangled concept of intelligences. Mm-hmm. So those aren't learning styles, but more of what is innate in us. So uh, if you're musical or mathematical, or you have interpersonal skills, uh, linguistic skills, people skills, those are 
intelligences, which do they or do they not impact on our learning styles? So how do you separate all of that? How do you suss that out as a researcher? I'm asking you. No, I'm not a researcher. <laughs> okay, well, we I need re- somebody I, else on the I, podcast I do research, because I'm not either. I, I do research only when absolutely necessary, and I limit it to areas that I think I okay. know something about. So anybody but, in the audience. Yeah, well, anyway, um, I, but I think, well, one of the things that we, we can discuss, um, or at least point out here, uh, is, is that we don't confuse – um, we've, we've danced around a little bit, but I want to state it, state it explicitly that um, the difference between a learning preference and then uh, the best way that we learn. Aha. Because yes. so you know we have our, we have our comfort zone, right? Yes. Um, and and I know that's true for me, but I'd like to think that um, uh, there is a connection, and one of the reasons that I prefer learning. Uh, and I don't. I don't impose my own learning style on my students, unless, you know, unless it's obvious they need it. Um, you know, open up that door for them because I'm a pro, you know, <laughs> foreign language is a big problem for me. Um, and I prefer learning a certain way. And I and I think one of the reasons that I prefer is that I, it just for me it works better. This is what I've learned from experience and observation. Um, but uh, there is all going back to research. Um, Quite a bit in the last, you know, fifteen years, maybe twenty years, um, uh, because you know, largely because of computers and we have all kinds of fonts on in our system, and we can experiment and play. And uh, enough research has shown that often, and I don't know the, the, all the conditions uh, when the typeface uh, is more difficult to read, not impossible, but more difficult. Uh, people, students remember better, and but then what does difficult mean again? Well, that's here, also a here well, here, they, they've, they know that there's, they've gone, they've gone, they've gone there, they've gone that, there, they've gone course, there. There is a zone. There's a zone of desirable difficulty, and again, research. They have created a font called Sans or Song. Forgetica, <laughs> and, I like and, that. and and they and they they studied. I guess they researched the hell out of this, and they and it's a free, it's a free available font for anybody. Um, you you obviously you can't read a book uh, that's set in in this typeface, but the people who have developed this say that yes, they did the research, and uh, it has the just the right degree. <laughs> of difficulty. It's it's a correct level of desirable difficulty. And uh, has this research been re-researched? Has it been nah, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not a researcher. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm infantry, man. <clears throat> I'm on the front lines. I'm not a stat- I'm not a, a tactician. I'm, 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 I'm in the front lines. But um, uh, it, it, that, you know, mm, I don't, I don't buck at that. And I think that there there may be something to that, right? Because, um, yeah, when we get out of our comfort zone, uh, uh, I would guess that there's new synapses being developed and new connections sure, sure. that will very 
possibly enhance our learning because it's like it's another dimension. Just I think you talked about um, multiple multimodal. There you go, multimodal. <laughs> multimodal. <laughs> it just rolls right off the tongue. Hello, See, hello. It's one of those those words that I have to would have to write down and look at in order to remember. Ah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's my learning style. Because <laughs> you're more of an oral style. But going back to your preferences, yes, we all have. Uh, again, this is just observation of having taught for 30 years. Um, so I may or may not be correct. I haven't done any research on it, but we all have preferences. We have preferences as learners, but I am more concerned about instructors who inflict their preferences, their learning preferences, and they inflict those personal learning preferences Onto their students. Yeah, and you've had some personal battles on that front, don't, oh, yes. haven't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think we all do that. And I think it's, again, we're talking about Japan. And I've had a lot of Japanese teachers uh, that I've observed or talked to who are excellent in English themselves. And they automatically assume that because they learned it, whatever way they learned it, that their students should learn it that way too. This is how it's been done. This is how it's best done. And there's a lot of mm, lack of wanting to branch out and try something new, like you're talking about. So... But that uh, that attitude actually is 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 quite cultural, right? I mean, that goes it pretty is. deep in here it here is. in Japan, especially because um, I, I I recognize it immediately. You know, from from martial arts background, it's like yes, there, it, the the form, right? And formal. I mean, it's a formal society, and everything, whether it's um, calligraphy, shodo. Yes, you know, whether it's do, any, any, right? any of the classic arts, the uh, way. or ikebana, way, or yes. flower arrangement, um, any of those things, you the traditional traditionally you learn by following the pattern, following the model, right? Uh, and that's passed on, on and on. So that's and so yeah, that's not surprising are, to, to find it here, right? Students are forced into that method of learning, whether or not it works for them. And again, yes, personal experience. <laughs> trying to do Aikido mm-hmm. here. It was a dismal disaster. Uh, <laughs> it made me want to quit. And in fact, I did. So those types of infliction of learning styles, getting instructors to not do that and analyzing our own ways of learning, I think is how learning styles might be useful to us. Maybe the research isn't there. We don't have the time. We don't have the research yet what they are, but some garnering some kind of awareness and then making sure that we do kind of uh, use multimodal. We do mix up our teaching, not only to tend to all of our varying students' learning styles, but also just to make our class more interesting. Yeah, and um, I think with the oh, uh, with the you know again with the with the reading that I've done, a lot of people kind of um, <laughs> forget that like like you just said, the multimodal approach is an option. 
<laughs> um, they think, let's say, you know, one way or the other way, or they think that automatically when you have, if, okay, if you're going to take learning styles into consideration and you've got a class of 30 students that you're going to have to teach, you know, divide the class up into six different groups and teach six different ways. And then I, I just I read an art, I just read an article about this. It doesn't work because a teacher, if you have 30 students, you divide them up, that only leaves X number of minutes per group. Oh, that's like, just crazy. It's crazy. Of course it's crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. And so, so I said, I'm thinking about you know, the, the research. I was like, well, you know, it's a, if your conclusion makes no sense, maybe there's a problem with the basic assumption. <laughs> yeah. And, but, and but the, that's the great, yeah, but the great example, the great example is the, you never have to wash your bath towel, right? Because okay. you never have to wash your bath towel. It's obvious. Yes, because go with me here. I'm you, 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 you get up, you take a shower, mm. and you're clean, right? Mm. You're the cleanest thing in the house. You just washed yourself. <laughs> Okay. Now you take your bath towel, and it, there's no dirt to get out. It never gets dirty. It, you are the cleanest thing. It, you are getting dirty from the bath towel because you're clean, but there's you're not adding any dirt to the bath towel, so there's no reason to clean it. You're right. Okay. It doesn't make any sense. Your basic assumption is wrong. You are not the cleanest thing in the house. Thank and you. just because you just had a shower, <laughs> it doesn't mean that you are 100% clean. Your I'm assumption go check our is bath wrong. towels. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they get washed very well and very regularly. Actually, they do. But um, I, with the uh, in this particular topic that we're talking about, what I would like to see – and this is always a, a, a big bugaboo with me because you know, we, you know, each spring, each April, we get a new crop of students who are, you know, theoretically have been <laughs> tracked with some theoretical connections to their ability. Depends on the school. And you look at it and it's like, what the hell happened here? And so when you're looking at the, the you know, potential problems with the research and the bath towel, uh, it's like, well, Maybe we need to maybe look at the assessment tool. <laughs> That's part of it. For example, <laughs> yeah. in Japan, most of the Japanese textbooks that you find that are written for the Japanese uh, market of language teachers, it'll be TOEIC based and it'll be only TOEIC L and R, listening and reading. They don't touch on the speaking or writing sections that have been introduced recently and are now pretty well, uh, I can't say required, but are more in use in Europe and the United States, along with TOEFL and IELTS that use more of the four skills approach. Here in Japan, we're still stuck on L and R. So yeah, that what you're saying, the assessment tool, the placement tool, they're getting the L and R for the grammar classes, but it has nothing to do with my communication classes and what our students' needs are or abilities are. So, of course, we as oral communication type teachers, well, we're completely ignored, frankly. So that's a societal thing, a cultural thing that I don't know how that's going to get fixed because we don't have a whole lot of time to interview every student <laughs> that's coming through. Yeah. But this, uh, this, um, um, uh, learning styles thing, it's a, it's a bigger thing than Japan. I mean, oh, yes. obviously, obviously being here in Japan, we have our own, as you, as you just illustrated our own 
particular difficulties uh, when this becomes the 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 norm. But um, it's not it's not this is not a Japan thing. This is this is Certainly. kind of worldwide, right? Certainly, and and that makes it and and that that the other part, you know, going back to the research and. Charles and I have uh, talked in, in in previous episodes about, um, you know, being able to replicate research results, and the problem with weird, right? <laughs> weird uh, subjects, yes. um, that. white, educated, industrialized. Not what was the other others, others were, but um, yeah, the the research um, is, you know, who are you choosing for your subjects, and you know, you, you, you know, if it's North America. What makes you think that these the results that you achieve in in North America are are going to be replicable in in any other culture? And, well, um, it's not just that, but people are people around the world, whomever you are. So, as far as learning styles, we may be brought up with a certain type of learning, like in Japan, the Aikido, the Judo, the one way of doing something, but. We probably have more innate, in, in each individual, in each of us, we probably have some more innate preferences. And again, going back to that word preference, learning style, how much of that is actual preference? You sort of hit on it before, but I'm well, not right, sure. But, and how does, how does preference factor into results, right? And, they, and again, that goes to that issue I raised with assessment. Hmm. Ergo, we need to be multimodal in our teaching. Well, yeah, I mean that's a I knew duh. I mean, that's a, well, that's, a, that's a given. Again, I know, I'm in, I know, where but it I should am, be. I don't well, see it except well, with my well, friends. Charles and I get to this. We we know this fork in the road. It's like we spend a lot of time over here. We got our own little spot, you know, where we sit down and and have a drink, and think about it. But uh, yeah, I mean that's where that's where we we often end up is like yeah, something that you think would be. Um, you would think something would that would think. be universally understood. <laughs> somehow, somehow seems to elude significant numbers mm. of people, right? So a lot of this is, again, yes, there is preference. And I feel that we need to understand as teachers our own preferences. We need to maybe look at where we got those preferences from. Are they something, again, well, that's how I learned it. Mm, but... Is that the best way? And there's another concept recently sort of out there called whole brain learning. And it's having to do with a lot of the psycholinguistic and neurolinguistic stuff that's coming out that's fascinating. And they're talking about making sure that you've got, again, all of those modes, but they have different, slightly different modes. So uh, for example, verbal and nonverbal, and they define those differently. So in VARC, there is no nonverbal, really. I mean, okay, if you consider reading and writing nonverbal, but in the whole brain learning, that's more of the, okay, the, the gestures. I guess that is the kinesthetic. kinesthetic yeah. Um, but experimentation is, again, a different way of learning than just these learning styles in the VARC aspect. And this is, again, from the neurolinguistic side. So getting that logical stuff, organization, uh, those intuitive feelings, 
that's a different way of looking at learning, completely different than even the learning styles that uh, the VARC. Mm. So this is neurolinguistics, and they're, they're saying also, in order to learn better, a whole brain learns by thinking of ideas, exploring ideas, evaluating and organizing ideas, sharing and experiencing. And you need all of those. And as a teacher, again, 30 years under my belt, how many years under your belt? We can intuitively say, yeah, that's right. Am I wrong there? Research, no. research be damned. <laughs> research no. be damned. Research hasn't caught up with what what we know. <clears throat> no is in air quotes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just uh, hard. And uh, to go along with this, again, again, not to make it like a war on research. But that's but, neurolinguistic um, research is showing that. That's right, research. Right. It's just not our soft research. All right. And so like you talked about other things that we quote unquote know. Um, and uh, so again, I, you know, we've, like I said, been reading these articles about um, this idea of learning styles being debunked. And I says, well, you know, this is really weird because weird. Ha ha. Um, the, one of the big trends in the last you know, X number of years uh, is differentiated learning. And I said, well, ah. you know, what's, what's it? Okay. Okay. Learning style, differentiated learning. This, this seems to me like the same thing. It's like, well, how can this differentiated learning be like, you know, the, the, the flavor of the day and this um, learning style being, you know, tossed out like, Oh, oh that Christmas cake. <laughs> a joke for our Japanese listeners. Yeah. But um uh lo lo and behold, when I did a Google search, isn't it interesting? I found all these articles that are debunking differentiated learning. So oh, just man. again, what is differentiated learning for those who may not be familiar with the term? Well, I, 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 it should. Well, my interpretation, and of course, there's like myriad interpretations. There we go. <laughs> um, and yeah, and that's part of the problem, right? And de- defining it, but it's it's basically you change the, the your teaching to fit the needs of the individual students or the groups of students. Yeah. So you know, if you have you know students that. Are, have only been trained to memorize and spit out what, what they're learned. Maybe that's where you got to start. And yeah, maybe in the same class, you've got other kids who've been to an international school and they're used to group work and, and independent learning. And, and it's okay. Well, you're going to have to teach these two different groups of students in a different way. That for me is differentiated learning. It's not brain science. No. Um, and, and it's like, and, and, and then don't tell me they don't have to wash my bath towel. Um, yes, please. <laughs> are they, are they, you know, but yeah, okay. It's the, it's, it's, it's the era of alternate facts. Uh, but um, so anyway, I, I was, I was quite surprised because yeah, it's, it's, you know, again, as your teachers, the things that we quote unquote know um, that you, 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 you know, you, you of course are the patron saint of needs analysis and, uh, that's 
part. Oh, me. Uh, oh, yeah, you. Oh, you, episode you. 120. Episode 120, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, you, you who, you? You, oh, me, you. You, no, you Allison, <laughs> okay. are the patron saint of needs analysis. And that's what it's all about, right? You got to find out what the needs of the students are, and then you tailor your teaching to what the students need, both what they're bringing to the classroom and what they want to take out when they when they finish your class. Yes. Um that's and, and differentiated not, learning is just it's not an option <laughs> it's what you do yeah well absolutely but that is also very difficult and if listeners want to go back to episode 120 and hear about needs analysis okay i won't go into it now but we don't have time for needs analyses either <laughs> in the classroom we don't have time to separate our you know if we could figure out so-and-so's learning needs, separating them, and then creating all the materials. That's just crazy. We don't have time for that. So on the fly, the concept of at least being aware. And for me, that needs analysis. Yes, I'm all about that, but it's the result that I'm most interested in, personalizing the learning. If you personalize the learning, you get the students to understand how this English, in our case, but any kind of learning, any, any subject, how it affects them, how they can use it, how they'll use it in the future, how it transfers into Japanese, for example, presentation skills, right? Sure. Then that differentiated learning is just can be part of that. If you open your... Uh, as a teacher, if you keep your um, activities, there we go, the things that you're doing in the classroom, your homework, whatever, and you're allowing for that personalization, then you create the curiosity. Oh, well, what else can I do in English? What else should I know? How else does this work? And eventually it becomes, they don't need you. They they, they, they don't need the teacher and they can step out into the street looking both ways, of course, and they can use English or whatever it is on their own autonomously. That for me is the final goal. And learning styles kind of goes with that for me in that allowing students not only their own way of learning, their own interpretations, but getting them to critically think. And instead of giving them their, the one way, letting them decipher it themselves so they'll be better people, better learners in the future. Yeah. Okay. I thought I thought you were going to go with uh, with uh, just slightly in a, in a slightly different direction, and I'm just going to add something to that mm. um, to that flow. Um, talking about when they come in, you know, they come in and uh, they have their learning preferences. Um, and you know, when you get to to be a hotshot. You can take a look at that and um, uh, feed what they them what they prefer or what they want at the very beginning, or leave it open. And then options, uh, and then then um, deftly step by step, one direction or another, start to push them out of that comfort zone. Yes. Uh, and so, and, and, and with the which you, which you just said, with that goal, with, with that goal of them being able to go, you know, play in the street, um, 
uh, without supervision. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, go <laughs> go get in trouble. Um, but you know, a little bit more, like little step by step pushing, probing, uh, yes. and you know, which is yeah, we don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, that's why hard, as they say in Hawaii. But uh, yeah, it's um, it, nothing. None of this is easy, uh, and. Uh, I think a lot of times when you know you, when you're going to create a research, you know, making a joke about being a research, but you're going to create a research study um, in in order to isolate elements. Sometimes what you're eliminating is really kind of skewing. It's going to skew your results. Hmm. You know, you're missing you're missing <laughs> you're missing a big part of this picture by design, and um, you know, I'm just reminded of like you know the 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 blind men and the elephant, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like none of them are wrong, right? <laughs> Does that do any of them know what an elephant looks like? No, <laughs> and uh, I, I get a sense when 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 a lot of the things that I read, a lot of the, the studies and the research that I've done, it's like yeah, you know forest and trees kind of thing it's like mm, yeah you're not wrong but you're not really teaching us what we need to know yeah so for me there's kind of a set of best practices mm, cool yeah so of course again this this is part of the needs analysis but mm, whatever we don't have time for that what can we do no matter what involving the learners letting involving them in the planning and the implementation of what they're learning. Um, it increases their motivation. It leads to that autonomy. Let them choose which chapter or topic in the book that you're covering next or you skip. Um, what, you know, how to personalize the presentation topic. Give them a topic. And if you, especially, it, it solves cheating. If you make it so personal that they can't cheat, because it's not about anybody else. <laughs> so it's not just like, tell me about Osaka, but uh, what is your favorite restaurant in Osaka? That's so personal that that, that lets them think and they get curious about, oh, well, how do I describe my favorite restaurant? And how do I get all of my friends in this class to go? So getting the learners involved. Um, but also... <clears throat> Uh, there's there's kind of a catch-22 with that, that making sure that the content and the delivery of that content are are relevant to whatever topic. Uh, it's, again, kind of this splayed, bleh. You've got all of these learning styles. You do need to control it to a degree, I think. Um, mm. <laughs> so uh, you can't do all of the learning styles in all of your classes. It's really hard to do kinesthetic now with all the remote teaching, for example. But (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, limiting, but yet offering a variety. Um, Making sure that learning environment facilitates that learning. Um, And then evaluate yourself. What what can you do? Are, Are you offering these things? And I think that evaluation part is one of the most important parts. Getting the students to understand their own preferences, but also getting teachers to understand their preferences. How do they teach? And making sure, ensuring that they're representing or presenting, sorry, a variety of styles and options. 
And you, you, okay. Yep. Okay. So, um, you mentioned, um, the, uh, the online, uh, dimension to all this. And, um, I just wanted to point out that this is, um, it's an interesting (laughs) opportunity, um, uh, for teachers to, uh, observe, um, both what's happening with their students and also what's happening for, uh, with your teaching because suddenly, yeah, you know, you're well, suddenly for the past seven months, eight months, um, uh, you're in a very, very, very different environment. And, hmm. uh, we are all necessarily needing to teach in a different way. Uh, and it, it's a, it is a real opportunity. It, it, it would be a real loss if you, if a teacher did not, uh, use that to take a good look because you know, it's a completely different perspective, right? Your whole interaction uh, with the class, with the, the class and with individual students, their interactions with each other and their interaction as a class with each other um, are all oddly, oddly skewed. But, um, that that we the the weirdness of this new environment um, brings certain things to the fore. Um, it makes something some things easier to see. Of course, some things are just gone yeah. um, that, that you relied on before, and you know, and that's part of it too. You know, like I said, that's why hard. Who said it was going to be easy? Um, but uh, it allows you to see different things and. Well, necessarily, it's gonna ha- you're gonna have to tweak and adjust your teaching. But if you really kind of take a look, it'll, it will improve your teaching, not just in an online way, but also in a in a face to face in a classroom situation. Assuming that someday that ever happens again, um, but um, what you you there's 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 stuff there to learn, uh, and. It, I think it's uh, worth our our while to, uh, to 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 seek that out and uh, learn the lessons that are there for us. It's got nothing to do with learning styles, but <laughs> well, but uh, yeah, with with all of this, all of your podcast, all of what you and Charles talk about, it's all about improving our our teaching and whether or not there are hard fixed prescribed learning styles be and maybe and, 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 and you know i said that but maybe maybe yeah maybe it does have to do with learning styles right because mm-hmm. so again we talked i talked about like you know, kids that react differently to like working together in groups of resident mm. other students that hate that and they they just want to talk to you right or to me mm-hmm. uh but and again with this new environment it's like okay how uh, are the students adapting to this? And for all of, you know, it, you know, you've got your own assessment tools and how much of a factor is, you know, this class, the, the, the fact that this class has been online, um, how is that affecting my assessment of the students and, and their performance? Both those are two different things, right? One, how is it affecting their performance? Two, how is it affecting how I'm assessing them? I'm uh, I'm having so much trouble spending so much time just it's I'm like a first year teacher putting everything online is killing me. 
That's I know. How we all feel. So like even thinking about this and, oh, well, how can I add this? Uh, my head's going to yeah. explode. Yeah. We, we, it's, it's forcing us, you know, she said, yeah, me too, 30 years. Uh, it's forcing us to go back and re- rethink the, the very foundations of what we do. And, uh, not easy, <laughs> not easy. But no. we also don't have to spend a whole lot. What I'm saying, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time thinking about it. Just simply as you're going to bed or you're riding your bike or whatever you're doing, just pause a minute and consider, are you inflicting your teaching, sorry, your learning styles on your students? Are you open enough? That's... Right now, I mean, I think that's just enough. <laughs> know what I mean? I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and that's, well, you know, I don't want to, oh, I'm, I'm better than that. Um, but my, my own learning style is so bizarre and so weird that I would never consider inflicting. Styles. <laughs> for some people, for me. Again, I, I, I'm, again I am impaired. So <laughs> I'm language learning impaired. So for me, it's pretty, pretty flat. It's a pretty one dimensional. <laughs> I'm pretty hopeless. But um, yeah, so I would never inflict that on any of my students. Uh, though uh, uh, it is uh, something I, uh, it is a tool that I pull out of my box when students will approach me and it's, it's like, you mm. know, ah, how, what, help me. Yeah, raising <laughs> how, how their awareness. Do I do this? Well, this is one of the things you can do. You can Raising do this, their this, awareness. This, this. And, and one of those things is one is the way that I learned. And, and getting them out of their box, just like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So um, so you're going to start a research project and fix all this, right? Oh, sure. All right. Good. Well, <laughs> I'll we look get forward right to, on that. <laughs> we, we look forward to reading that. <laughs> <laughs> the tomes Professor, that could be yeah. produced. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So I don't know. Um, what you what else you got? That's good for me. Good for me too. Yeah, I think this is a uh, as as much as we could, right? Um again, there's the there's the 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 laboratory, the clinical research, and then there's uh the life in the trenches. Yeah, and, the life uh, in the trenches kind of girl. Yeah, yeah. Well yeah, the blood and the gore. Yep. Don't forget but, the mud. Um, yeah, we just, you, know, you just have a real, very um, a different idea of what you know, again, with quotation marks, works and, and what won't. And um, and I think something that you, you, you mentioned actually a couple of times today is like, yeah, I just say, uh, and I, I said forest for the trees and so forth, but yeah, the you know the bottom line is like, you know, <laughs> begins and ends with the students. <laughs> and that's and that's it. And yep. um, however, you know, you want to whatever label you want to hang on there, whether it's learning styles, it's differentiated learning or whatever it was called before that common sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't say common sense, please. <laughs> it's common sense. But <laughs> oh. I sound like a tea party guy anyway. You sound like you're Japanese. Uh, oh, OK. <laughs> With that. Uh, this is this is Tony Silva and Allison Kitzman, and we happen to be two teachers talking. Um, and you can find us at and uh, well, me, Allison, and Charles, all of us at um, two teachers talking whatever two teachers talking dot com to two teachers talking at gmail dot com. Um, yeah, tell us what you think, and um, 
I guess that's it. So thank you very much, Allison, for joining us and for um, sharing your knowledge and experience with us. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Okay, everybody out there, you guys uh, stay safe and uh, teach hard, I guess. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye.